Continuing the Good Shepherd. Today we are covering our all-sufficient shepherd. Now, before I even get into the notes, I feel like every time I come to do my sermon, Mrs. Cena's always got a song that like really hits me before we start. The first one being Egypt. And I was thinking about Moses himself leading the Israelites out of Egypt. And I don't want to say it's not talked about enough, but something that I just really thought about this morning is like Moses was the shepherd in that moment. He had a staff and he had a flock of Israelites all leaving out of Egypt. And in that song, we're singing how God tore apart the seas and he made a way in the desert. He had a pillar of cloud during the day and a fire by night. Like, so we have the shepherds here on earth, but then we have our all-sufficient shepherd. And our good shepherd, he is not selfish. And he's not just a shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. He knows each one of us intimately as a sheep. He speaks to his sheep for the purpose of leading and uniting them as one flock under one shepherd. He is the door by which we enter the fold. He is the shepherd. So we're going to be talking about Psalm 23 as we have been, as Pastor Isaiah has been going through this lesson, even Pastor Annette gave that sermon about the good shepherd. We're going to be continuing along those lines. And when we talk about the shepherd, when we talk about the all-sufficient shepherd, he leads, guides, instructs, corrects, provides, protects, and is our life substance. This is nothing new to a lot of people. This is a title that comes with many different resources and objectives that you have to follow through with. Being a shepherd is a big responsibility. But for us in the present day, when we think about a shepherd, we just have the image like we saw in the video to the intro. Got a guy walking around, a bunch of sheep, open fields, and it just seems like a real easy, relaxing job. I don't know for for a lot of you, but for me, that's kind of like, That'd be awesome waking up in the morning, just open land, open area. I mean, a lot of you guys are from the city or from urban areas, so that may sound like a nightmare to you, sleeping in the woods at night with nothing but starlight. I don't know how many of you would feel comfortable with that. But when I think about being a shepherd, when I think about what that means and the responsibilities you have, I place myself in that position. How, what would I do? What are the things that I would enjoy? What are the things that I would be looking forward to, like, Waking up in the morning, I mean, being out in the field, it's not like you're making a cup of coffee. So it's like you got to really be innovative and make it work. You got to, it's, it's, a, it's a daily process and you have to plan ahead. You can't just wake up and be like, okay, where are we going today? You have to, it has to be planned out. And when talking about God being our shepherd, we are his sheep. And as his sheep, we follow and do what the shepherd is instructing us to do. And we are assured through God, through faith, that he has a plan and a purpose for us. Is that correct? Everybody believes that? Awesome. I'm in the right house. Sheep left to themselves, completely helpless. They have nothing really to defend themselves. They're not very bright. Not saying that we aren't bright, but sheep, the animal, aren't very bright. And they fall into danger a lot. So it's necessary that they have a shepherd. And we being vessels on earth, us being sheep on earth, we could fall into those same problems if we're not careful. But Let's go into Psalm 23. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. Very common verse. There are people out in the world that use this verse to like hype themselves up. You see boxers use it. You see fighters get ready. Football players will amp themselves up. In high school when I did wrestling, we would, one of the guys that like one of the captains would recite this scripture and we would get ready and go out there and, and go through a wrestling match. Like this is a commonly known verse. And today we're going to dive deep into the person who wrote the verse being David, the putting ourselves in his shoes in the mindset that he had when he was writing the verse, and then we're going to relate it to our lives today. In Jeremiah 23, verses 3 through 4, it says, But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them, and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. So right there in Jeremiah 23, we see that the flock is gathered and there will be shepherds placed over them, meaning there will be leaders amongst us. Our shepherds, Pastor Zan, Pastor Nat, although they're not here, because of their leadership, it allows other people to step up and take their place, like Deacon Teresa stepping up and taking care of offering and praying over the people, guiding us in, me being here today. And it is an honor to be here today. I appreciate you all for being here. But this is the example that we have as a body of Christ, that we have been brought together as one flock from different countries and backgrounds, it says in Jeremiah 23, to be fruitful and increase. So that right there, we have a plan and a purpose for us being brought together. We're not just here by mistake. We're not just here because we're just here. We're not just walking around this life aimlessly. There is a reason to be fruitful and increase. Now, a lot of people, when they hear that, they think financially, they think uh, possessions, they think you could, there's so many different avenues that this takes. But when talking about being fruitful and increasing in the spirit, it takes on a whole new meaning. We are guided through the spirit, through the word. Our relationship with God is what joins us to the shepherd through Jesus and his sacrifice and him dying for us so that we can become a new creation is what brings us here together. And that's what brings the increase. That's what brings the fruits of the spirit is us being saved by that grace. And we can trust Christ as our good shepherd because his purpose in leading us as his sheep is so that we can be fruitful and that we can increase, that we not be dismayed, nor fear or lack anything. In Psalm 79, verse 13, it says, So we, your people, and sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. Sheep are not just known by their shepherd, but by the pasture they feed, they feed from. So this brings me to our first point in talking about how he is our all sufficient shepherd. Psalm 23 verse 1 opens up, says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So, I don't know how many of you guys have ever actually seen a flock of sheep out on the land. Whether big or small, doesn't really matter. But there's a certain thing that happens when a flock of sheep are together. They are constantly moving throughout the land because they're eating. They're grazing is what it's called. And you can't really stay in one spot for too long because they'll just keep eating the grass, keep eating the grass. They'll eat whatever grows, actually. It's not just grass. They'll eat whatever's there. But at a certain point, if they just stay in one spot, there's nothing really left to feed off of. So you'll see that shepherds or even farmers will rotate the flock 
through a certain area for a certain amount of time. And they'll have yearly plans, depending on how big the flock is. Some farmers go as far to plan out four years ahead. So they'll plan, okay, this acre of land is going to get grazed for this amount of time. Come winter, we're going to retill, replant, put some fertilizer. Like they have a whole plan. And this is, for most farmers, they plan a four-year process for this. Now, when it comes to us, God being the author and finisher of our faith, that means that just like the farmers plan out what the grazing pattern is going to be for the flock, God has already planned that out for us. It is already set forth. But it's up to us as the sheep to follow the shepherd. Him being the author and finisher of our faith, our story has already been written, but it is up to us whether we live up to that or not. It's nothing that we're earning. It's nothing that we're doing to make ourselves into that story. It's already written. It's already been done. But it is up to us to listen to the shepherd's voice. It's up to us to plug into what he's saying through his word, through his guidance, through his leadership, through the spirit that is inside of us. So imagine David as a shepherd, King David. Very humble beginnings. Youngest out of all his brothers. And his job was, you watch the father's flock. And every day and every night, he was with the sheep, out in the field, wandering, guiding them, planning his day, planning things he's going to avoid, avoid the tree lines so that you can keep the flock in visual. You're going to avoid the mountains because you don't really want to get stuck up there because you got to go chase after them. Planning what rivers to go by, what pastures to hit. This was David's every day. Meanwhile, while maintaining this responsibility and this plan every day, we see that he had a heart for God every step of the way. And when planning the day, we see that David also took on some obstacles of his own. David was killing lions and bears and wolves with his bare hands. David was protecting the flock. David went on from being a shepherd who was, like I said, killing wild animals, planning his day, tending the sheep, having to get them when they go get lost, to end up fighting Goliath in the king's army, then goes on to be a leader of the army, then later goes on to be king. And as he's king, he starts writing songs about God, remembering from his humble beginnings who he was. It's a very well-rounded person. You went from being a shepherd to somebody who was, I mean, I don't know how many of you guys are willing to do it, but if a lion was coming for some animals and I'm taking care of them, Billy, you could have that one. I'm going to let that go. Meanwhile, David was like, no, this is my father's flock. This is my territory. And he defended that. Went on to become a warrior fighting Goliath, a man so big that other grown men were in fear of him. Went on to fight tens of thousands of armies, winning battle after battle, gained favor in the eyes of God and in man to become king, to then start writing songs about God. It's 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 such a humbling thing to think about. And, and, and the reason why I say this, because if I put myself in those shoes, like I said, I'm not killing a lion for no sheep. You can have that one. But in, in David's mind, it was more than that. It was, this is my responsibility. This is my duty. This is my identity. This is where God has placed me in this moment of time. He was faithful in the little things like Miss Teresa alluded to. He was faithful in the little things and he became the ruler over much because of it. And as sheep, as people under Christ, that is our job, is to be faithful in the little things. See, the shepherd is the one who watches over and plans the day. The sheep just follow along. 
The shepherd is the one whose eyes are up, looking all around, looking at the tree line, looking at the weather, looking at the routes you're going to take. Meanwhile, the sheep are just grazing, not really looking up and around. They're just looking at what's right in front of them. And sometimes if we're not careful, we start to look beyond what's in front of us, and we start skipping over lands that we're supposed to graze on. We start skipping over the grass that's right in front of us because we see something else and we think that's going to be so much better and walk right past things that God has right in front of us. So it's important that understanding what God's role is that we stay in ours and we maintain this idea of what we think is not going to be better than what God has for us. And our desires and our hearts should be from God and should align with God's word but God's plan for us is going to be above and exceedingly whatever you can ask or think. So it is up to us as sheep to be a sheep and let God be God. It's important. So important. In Psalm 16, verse 5 through 11, it says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Oof, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot in one verse. I mean, we're talking about having a heart for God, having a heart that is on fire for God. And what that means is, what David says in this verse is, even at night, my heart is instructing me. This was his life. This was his breath. This was his source of everything, his inheritance. He's looking at the land that, he's, that he has dominion over and saying how the boundaries of everything has been set in pleasant places. He's seeing his lot secure. He's seeing that even though it's his job to protect it and to maintain what God has given him, he is acknowledging and not seeing a lack in what God has given him. It's important. We were talking about it yesterday in Connect Group. Uh, when Pastor Jose actually last week was talking about the man who was a rich man, he had storehouses of, of abundance and he had a good harvest and he had all this abundance and he didn't have a place to store them. So we were talking about in our connect group yesterday. Oh, for those of you who don't know, connect groups are like our Bible studies. We had a men's connect group yesterday here at a nine o'clock and uh, we were referencing the sermon Pastor Jose talked about last week. But this man was a rich man, had storehouses full of all of the previous harvest that he had. And when he had another harvest, but no place to store them, the very first thing that comes out of his mouth is lack. What? Like, it, it makes no, this man had storehouses full. It says that he was already rich. And the first thing that he decides is, I have no place to put them. I don't have enough. Doesn't fit. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy picture to think about how a man that we would, trade places with in a heartbeat how many of us would love to be rich have more than enough to, to last us and then have a surplus on top of it anybody who doesn't take that I don't know we're gonna have to talk I'm just saying but the first thing that comes to mind when he sees all that he has was lack and it makes no sense 
to the point that he said, I have to destroy what I already have so that I can make room for more. His heart wasn't in the right place. But yet when we see David in Psalm 16, he acknowledges everything that God has given him. He's, and he's in joy because of it. He is filled with joy in the presence, in the presence of God, he says, and in the inheritance that has been given to him. Because he realizes, although this is my father's flock and this is the land that my family runs, it's just as much mine as it is everybody else's. But the source of it is God. And that's a powerful thing. As sheep, we need to evaluate everything that we have in life, not just the things that we want to have. And appreciate all that we have been given and the opportunities that are before us. I say this every time to my teens when we close and when we open. Thank you, God, that every day is an opportunity to share this faith and to share this gospel. Every day that you guys have life and you go out into your workplace or your school or wherever it is that you're going, you are interacting with people, whether they know God or not. And every day that you are interacting with somebody is an opportunity as a sheep, as a member of this flock, to pour love and guidance into others. That's a beautiful thing that we get to speak up and have a voice, not just to be quiet and just a picture hung up on a wall of, of what God's supposed to look like. No, we get to live in action of what that is. We get to go out into this world and be a light, be an example of who God is. But it is up to us to do so. So important. And you can see here too, because of his complete dependence upon God. We're talking about David, his complete dependence on God, even with the roles and responsibility he had, even with the land that he had dominion over, even the sheep and the flock that was given to him, he still had a dependence on God through everything. He realized that although he was doing it and he was the one taking the action, that it was God that placed those actions before him and God that saw him through every step of the way. And we see and we see it in, in Psalms 23, verse 2 through 3. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Notice how David's saying, he makes me. Not, I got myself here. Or, God gave it to me, but I'm the one doing it. He said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Everything that this man says is, what God did. And because of what God did, this is what my life looks like. And it's evident because you can just look at his resume. Stacked. Absolutely stacked. And the reason why is because his complete dependence on God. And when you read this for face value, you think about, okay, David's taking the sheep. He's keeping them in an open place so he can see them and watch over them. But when you think about it and put yourself in these, three, in these two verses, when it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, what that's really saying is that God has placed me in areas that I can grow, that I can feed, that I can nourish myself and others. And when it says that he leads me beside still waters, it means that he puts me in peace. He keeps me in places that there isn't chaos and things may be happening all around, but I am made to lie down by still waters. And he says that he restores my soul, meaning that he is the one that gives us life and purpose. He leads me in paths of righteousness. See, we can't lead ourselves to righteousness. It's God that did it through his sacrifice of his son. And it's all for his name's sake and for his kingdom alone. There's nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God. The only thing we can do is not live up to the potential that God has placed in us. 
God will be there every step of the way, constantly trying to show you the green pastures that he has for you, constantly showing you the still waters, constantly trying to show you the power that has been placed inside of you, but it is up to you to tap into it. It's an amazing thing. Like I said before, sheep left to themselves will generally not lie down. They, they just got constantly going around grazing, constantly going around grazing. Yet when we remain in peace, what we're really saying is we're staying with God. We're remaining in God's presence. We're remaining in the places that God has placed us. And it's a powerful thing when we think about the shepherd being constantly there, never leaving us or forsaking us, never departing from us. He is constantly knocking at the door, the Bible says constantly knocking at the door for every opportunity. And it brings me to my second point, where when the good shepherd is all you seek. That's a fill in the blank sentence for everybody here. When the good shepherd is all you seek, what could your life look like? When the good shepherd is all you seek, you are made whole. What that means for you can be different than what it means for me. There are different areas in our lives and different objectives that we are all trying to get to. There are different things that we are trying to achieve and different backgrounds that we've come from. But when God is all you seek, when the good shepherd is all you seek, fill in that blank for yourself. And if you don't have something to fill that blank in with yet, think about it. Write it, write it down for yourself. Meditate on that. What is it that you are trying to get and realize the only way you're going to get there is when the good shepherd is all you you seek. In Psalms 23, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. So when people read this verse, again, it's commonly known. They think of the valley of the shadow of death. They think of a place of turmoil. They think of a place of chaos. They think of a place of fear. And I mentioned this actually not yesterday, but last Saturday, how oftentimes when the Bible is talking about darkness, it also refers to light. And when it refers to darkness, what it's, con what, it's, what it's commonly referring to is a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. So some people, when they read the valley of the shadow of death and they think of a dark valley, they think of things being right in front of them causing fear. But what I, want, what I want us to think about today is when we're walking through the valley of shadow of death, what we're really saying is we're walking through a place that has no understanding, that doesn't lead to life. A place of no knowledge of who God is, and you see all these dead people walking in that valley. That is the world that we go out to every day. And it's not that they're in darkness because they're evil. It's because they're in darkness because they don't know the truth. They don't know what God is or what God has for them. They just go through what people tell them about God, but they don't know God for themselves. So as we walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness, we being the light, us being the salt of the earth, it is our job to spread that knowledge. That is a, that is a complete and, and, and very assertive direction that God has given us. And it's the reason why it says that even though we walk through that valley, we should fear no evil. Because us knowing the truth, us having God inside of us, what is there to fear? The Bible says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. That's a very common verse. And it is absolutely true. And the reason why no weapon formed against us shall prosper, because when you have this knowledge of salvation, 
when you have this knowledge that God loves you more than anything, when you have this knowledge that from the very beginning God wanted you to be whole, to be strong, to be courageous, to be bold, to be a light, to be an example, to be a leader, to be above and ever beneath, the list goes on and on. When you have that knowledge and that identity, it is a powerful thing. God is bigger and greater than anything in this world. We were having a conversation with our teens. It was a little, it was like a while ago. I won't say his name, but it was, I was talking to one of the teams one-on-one, and we were talking about identity. That's actually the series that we're on. It's beneath the surface. What goes on on the inside, the things that people don't see, talking about the identity within. So I asked him, what is your identity? Common answer. He says his name. I'm like, yeah, that's your name, but that's not who you are. Okay, uh, I play hockey, I go to school. Okay, great, that's things you do, but that's not who you are. And I just so happened to have Gianni in the room. I was like, gee, what is your identity? And without missing the beat, Gianni says, I am a child of God. That is our identity. That is everything about who we are. If I went around saying who I am, okay, um, I work in construction, I'm a father, I'm a husband, that's all great. And that can mean certain things, but my identity that I go with is a child of God. And that fits with all those things I just mentioned about being above and ever beneath, the light to the world, all that stuff. But it is up to us to shine that light and not smother it, not hide the light that God is showing through us to blend in with the world. To not go against the grain and to fit in. God didn't call us to fit in. God doesn't want us to love the things of this world. He wants us to love him. And if God is our all-sufficient source, then our love for him should outweigh anything else. Anything else. And when your life looks like that, there are going to be things that you just can't roll with anymore. Because your love for God will supersede those things. And you start to realize that the things that you were tuning into and the things that you were saying start going against God and it triggers something in you like, no, I love God too much to let that slide. Funny enough, my wife and I, we were watching Netflix last night trying to find something to watch. We put on a comedian, a comedian that we've watched before, but now all of a sudden he starts opening up and he started talking about God. Never talked about God before. So then I'm listening and I'm like, Start stirring up, start getting like, nah, I can't watch this. And my wife was like, oh, just fast forward it. I was like, nope, we're done. Can't do it. Now, comedian, cut off. Can't listen to him no more. Take him off Instagram. Take him off whatever else. Done. Once, once that happens, that line, line in the sand is drawn, you step over that, that's it. Can't roll with you no more. And that's the way that our life is supposed to be. That's kind of like a little example, but in life, that's how it's supposed to be. When we hear music or see movies or, or start to tune into media that starts to influence in a way that's going against God, it's time to cut it off. I used to be a big horror movie fan. Used to, as a kid, my parents didn't know, but as a kid, I was watching horror movies. I was super into it. But then as I got older, and I don't know if it's just the, the way that media has changed or the way that I started to perceive things, everything started to become about demons and spirits and like like a good horror movie just used to be like, all right, you got a guy who's going around doing murders and stuff like that, which I shouldn't be watching either, but it wasn't it wasn't something that was like spiritual. Like it was it was something different. And I don't condone watching murders or anything like that. You shouldn't be tuning into that. It's garbage anyway. But I started to realize at a deeper level that there was something even more wrong with today's horror movies and things like that. And it goes beyond just that, even just regular music, just regular pop music. It's super spiritual. 
super spiritual. I'm not even going to go into artists or anything like that because the teens have heard me talk about that numerous times, how there are certain artists that I just can't even listen to, completely cut off. And they're super popular, billions of streams, got to cut them off. And then you see their live performances, and they're literally doing rituals on stages. In movies, they are literally doing rituals in movies. I remember, and I won't say the movie, but me, Pastor Annette, my sister, and I don't know if Hannah was there. I don't think she was there. We were watching a movie, and they were literally doing a ritual in the movie, and we were like, okay, we can't do this. Just got up and left. And we had a guy behind us. I don't know if he was Christian or not, but he started praying. He was like, oh, I can't. Like, he, he, had, a, he had a perception of what it really was, and we had to get up and leave because of it. That is the type of stature that we must take in defense of who God is. If you love God, you can't let things of this world slide. You can't let it enter your life. Us being sheep, it means that we are a part of his flock. That means that we are his and his alone, and we can't let things get between that relationship. That was a big tangent. I got to get back. I don't know, but it's good. It's good. It brings me to Mark chapter 5, verse 24 through 34. It says, so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Can't even imagine. 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the case of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Imagine struggling for 12 years, doing everything, spending everything that you have to try to find a cure, to try to get better. And instead of getting better, you just got worse. That is torture. That, like, that's such an unbearable life. Like, that's such a burden. And it all comes to a turn when she heard about Jesus. And notice when it says she heard about Jesus. As we read the rest of, the rest of this passage, you're going to see that she didn't just hear Jesus. She took on this whole identity of, okay, this guy's been going around town to town, healing people, doing all these great miracles. When she heard about Jesus, something that she had struggled with for 12 years became insignificant. She heard Jesus was coming, and Jesus was in a crowd of people getting pushed on all sides, disciples, like, pushing the crowds back to try to let them walk through. And we see that when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Twelve years after seeing doctor after doctor, this is science, this is all that they knew, medicine after medicine, trying all these different things, spending every resource this lady has, suffering, getting worse and worse. She heard about Jesus and she said, if I can just touch his cloak, if I can, it was, it was funny, I'm not going to say who said it, but yesterday's connect group. We were talking about being intimate with God and reading your word and how our relationship with God grows through our knowledge of him. And this gentleman, he, he was saying how, like, when he first encountered God, it was like a spiritual high. He felt the closest to God he's ever been. And now it's kind of like he's trying to get back to that place. And the, the, the question that I asked him, I said, listen, God's still there. But what are you doing to rekindle that relationship? Because as a new believer, 
when you have an encounter with God, I don't know how many of you have had that. I'm not saying anything like super spiritual or spooky. Just having, like feeling God's presence for the first time in your life is a powerful thing. Having God do a miracle in your life is a powerful thing. But when all we do is chase after those spiritual highs and those miracles, we miss sight of who God is. All we're looking for is gifts and abundance, and we're missing the everyday opportunity that we have just to be intimate with him. That's why reading our word is so important. And the reason why I bring that up is because this lady had suffered for 12 years, trying everything she possibly could, not sparing any expense to try to make herself better. Yet when she heard about Jesus, she didn't ask to have a 30-minute sit-down session, have a bunch of prayer warriors gather around her. She said, no, I need this for myself. If I could just touch his cloak, I will be healed. That was her faith. That was her belief. And as we go on, we see that immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the, in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? One of the disciples said, you see the people crowding against you. His disciples answered, and yet you can't ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. That's important. Yes, Jesus was there. And because she touched Jesus' cloak, she was healed. But it was through her faith and acknowledgement of who he was and what he is capable of that restored her. This goes back to Psalm 23, how he restores our soul. When we remain in the flock, when we remain his sheep and not trying to surpass the shepherd, we are restored. We are healed. It is through faith and understanding and knowledge of him that we go on and become successful in all that we do. He makes the works of our hands prosperous through our knowledge and understanding of him, it says in the book of Proverbs. So yes, the work of your hands could be prosperous, but is through your knowledge and understanding of him. And we see that through it all, Jesus is the one that watches over us. He is the shepherd. He is not holding anything back from us. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He is the identity that when God sees us, he sees the Jesus inside of us for those who believe and for those who have proclaimed that Jesus is our Savior. It is a life-altering event in more ways than one. It's not just a matter of getting to heaven. It is so much more than that. That's just an end goal. If all we do is just, okay, yeah, I'm saved so I can get to heaven, what happens to all the years you spent down here? Yeah, you have an eternity waiting for you in heaven, but it's the relationship that you have now with God that gets you there. And it's not just for us alone. It's for the flock. Notice how we were gathered in Jeremiah 23. We were gathered as the flock to be fruitful and increase. It wasn't just I was brought into the flock so I can be. No, we were brought into the flock to be fruitful and increase. And my last point being we must remain steadfast <laughs> but not complacent. That was like real abrupt on the keys. Like <laughs> we must remain steadfast but not complacent. That was like one of those old school horror movies when something goes wrong and they hit the keys. <laughs> remain steadfast but not complacent. And the reason why this is such an important thing, if you leave with anything, I want you to remember this point. 
There is a there there is I said steadfast. Remain satisfied but not complacent. See the keys threw me off, man. It got me messed up. <laughs> Remain satisfied but not complacent. So to be satisfied is to have your needs, desires, and expectations fulfilled. And as God has and will forever provide all that we need, that does not mean that we stop grazing. Imagine your life as a limitless amount of acreage for you to graze on. Imagine you're the sheep in that flock and you just look out and there's just endless land, endless patches, pastures for you to feed off of. For you to explore and nourish yourself, imagine living on all of that land and you only ever feed on one acre. For your entire life, you stayed on one acre. Meanwhile, God had this limitless amount of land for you to go explore. That is what it is like when we say that we are a Christian and we don't read our word. We are just scratching at the surface of all that God has for us. To be intimate in our word, to have a relationship with God is what gets us into that place of abundance. And it's not that we do this so that we can receive more. And it's not that we have a relationship with God so that we can increase. It's because when we have this understanding of the power and impact that can happen when you have a relationship with God, those things just get added on to you. This came from a verse that Pastor Jose was reading last week in Mark chapter 6 where it says that to seek him, seek him first and seek his kingdom. To seek him first. And you realize that as you seek him first and he is the priority in your life, his righteousness and everything gets added on to you. I'm paraphrasing a whole lot, but it's just because I'm just trying to get through the point. To be satisfied with all that, give, that God has given us. To be content with, not content, but to be satisfied with all that God has given us because we realize that he is enough. He is our all-sufficient source. Complacency is dangerous, though. Remaining satisfied is to see the pastures that God has placed in front of you and to be happy and fulfilled with all that he has given you. And understanding that, Although we are grazing right here at this moment, we're not meant to stay here. And there's many more pastures to hit. There's many more areas to graze and nourish ourselves. But to be complacent is feeling so satisfied with your own abilities or situation that you feel you do not need to try any harder. To be complacent means to be satisfied to the point where you don't want to grow anymore and you just want to be comfortable and stay where you are. And that is a dangerous place to be. As I said in the beginning, if you see a flock of sheep on a, on a plot of land, they don't just stay in one spot. Because they'll eat up everything that grows there to the point that there's nothing else to satisfy themselves. You are constantly rotating. There is constant growth. Remember, God is the author and finisher of our faith, meaning a story has been written. And if all you do is stay in chapter 1, you're missing out on the rest of the story. God is our all-sufficient source. He is our shepherd, the good shepherd. He is the one that guides us and leads us to better things. But it is through our knowledge and understanding of him that we get there. And it's not just for us to receive, but for those around us. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church at the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.